Coach Franco says is a proud member of the Philippine Podcast Directory. Come check out the page on Facebook and listen to the amazing lineup of local podcasters this country has to offer. Play three, two, one, and um, we have a very special guest. We have McDojo Life himself. Uh, hi, Rob. Thank you for for doing this, man. Appreciate it. No, uh, thank you for having me, dude. I love talking shop. Yeah, dude, and we're going to talk a lot. So before anything else, and for everyone who is going to encounter you for the first time, uh, me, I'm, I'm super curious, like, what's your martial arts story? Like, how did everything begin for you? Oh, well, you know, I was born with a cleft palate and lip, mm-hmm. so I have scars on my face. I had a lot of surgeries uh, when I was younger, mm-hmm. and so going up through school was pretty rough for me. I, I got picked on and beat up and teased quite a bit, mm-hmm. and then uh, when I was in eighth grade I wound up getting jumped by a group of kids it was like five or six kids and uh they they beat me up as soon as the bell rang for class Mm -hmm. to be out it was a gym class and they stepped on my head they kicked me in the face they stabbed me with pencils they beat me up pretty good Mm -hmm. and they beat me for about five minutes uh the only reason I know it was five minutes was because the bell rang and they started beating me up and they were still beating me up when the next bell rang Mm -hmm. and that means you're supposed to be in the next class so the five minute gap there um, two teachers stood there and watched the entire thing happen. They did nothing about it. They wow. just watched. Okay. Uh, and then I don't know why. I think it was some kind of school policy, um, but I could be wrong. And so they just let it happen. And then uh, after the second bell rang, all the kids kind of scattered. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friend who was late to the class, he walked up and he helped me up and he walked me to the nurse's office at the school and he mm-hmm. handed me a card and he said, you need this. And uh, it was this. a card. Oh, you need this, and it was a card for karate. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was always worried that I'd get hurt doing any like team sports. She didn't want me to do baseball, football, any of that, because mm-hmm. she was worried because of all the surgeries I had as a kid that I'd get hurt. And mm-hmm. so a month later, after that incident, my mom signed me up for karate, and I've been doing it ever since. So I've been mm-hmm. doing martial arts now for twenty-three years. So been doing it for nice. a while. Okay, so it's like you're still doing karate. No. So um, I started in karate uh, just to run down the resume real fast. Um, I'm a third degree black belt in karate. I'm a third degree black belt in something called Lissa Jodo, which is Mm -hmm. a weapon system not too many people have heard of. If you want to look up my instructor, his name was Master Lee Barden. You can look him up on YouTube. He passed away about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a six and oh amateur boxer, a four and two amateur kickboxer. I ran a martial arts studio for four years. I was a striking coach at when I started Jiu-Jitsu, which is about nine years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and then I've been doing martial arts business consulting for about a decade. And then I've been running McDojo life for about eight or nine years now. Wow. Wow. It's <laughs> like everything got, I mean, what was like the, what was the fork in, in the decision-making where you just decided, okay, I, I love martial arts. I think this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And then what was, what was the thought process coming into that decision? Well, I actually came to that decision much earlier than I think most people do. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know most people around college age don't know what they want to do with their life. They're like, well, I want to do this or I want, and they don't. I pretty much knew after my first year in karate that it's what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Wow. Um, and, you know, I got, I had great mentors, to be honest. I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do in my life from my instructors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't a hard decision for me. Like, I, up, up until the, the turning point, which made it like a, a future, like solid career for me, um, was I knew I wanted to be an instructor, but I thought that what I would do is join the military and mm. I was going to work 
for the military, which was my goal. And I was going to be a martial arts instructor through the military. I was going to find some way to teach in the military. And uh, the day I went up, because I, I had taken my what's called an ASVAB test, which is like your, your placement test for the yeah, military. Yeah, yeah. After I took that test, I signed up to, I, I went to the recruiter's office with my test. And he was like, hey, here's a list of jobs. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to circle 10 jobs that you want. And it was like, mm -hmm. it was like five or six pages. So there was plenty of jobs. And he was like, just circle 10 jobs and we'll see what fits best for you. And we'll narrow it down when you come back. When you come back, we'll get you all signed up and enlisted. I was like, all right, cool. So I walked out and the day I came back, the next day, I get out of my car to walk up to the recruiter's office. And mm -hmm. as I'm about to walk in the door, like literally walking up to the door, my phone rings. And it was my instructor and he offered me a job. And so I was like, well, do I in the military? I can walk through this door or do I just, you know, do I teach martial arts? And I made the decision to teach martial arts. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. Talk about, talk about major decision making. And then yeah. from, from karate, then from doing karate, yeah. like what was the next one? What was the next martial arts that well, you started to train? So I started in karate when I was 12 and then around the age of 15, my instructor started doing these fight nights in a bar mm -hmm. called Plush, and it was mm -hmm. a nightclub. And so what they would do is every Friday, and then they eventually change it to Sunday. But every oh, Friday, they would take a boxing ring and they put it in the middle of this nightclub. Mm -hmm. and anybody that wanted to box could do it. And they would let anybody do it, anybody. Um, okay. And so it was a pretty wild thing, man. I even uploaded one of my one of my fights from mm -hmm. there onto my YouTube channel, but mm -hmm. it was like a two on two fight. And so we had two on two boxing matches, three on three boxing matches. We had one on two boxing matches and anybody could sign up the night of, and people were drunk and like there was fights going all night. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was 15 years old when I said I wanted to do that. But the problem was, is that club was 21 years and older. Yeah. So I convinced my instructor to let me fight. And he said, Hey, you could fight, but you have to fight first and you have to leave afterwards mm -hmm. because the bar. Yeah. And so I, somehow I convinced my mom to sign that permission slip and she signed the waiver <laughs> and then I go and the, the first fight that I had was versus a dude who was 30 years old so okay. he was 30 years old I'm 15 but we were the same weight class and uh, okay. I wound up winning by fear, basically sheer luck I was terrified mm -hmm. like I covered up he gassed himself out mm -hmm. and I got lucky and broke his nose I just okay. got lucky I a punch, broke his nose. and then he didn't answer his corner basically because his cardio was so shitty in uh, the second round. So he didn't come out of his corner in the second round. Blew everything and, on uh, the first round. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that was my first transition into boxing, and I loved mm -hmm. that. So I continued to do that. Um, and then they started incorporating kickboxing into those same fight nights. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, I already know how to do karate, and I've been doing boxing now for quite a while. Let's put them together. So I yep. started doing kickboxing. And then after that, I got picked up by a team, an uh, international kickboxing team called Team Full Circle. Mm -hmm. And uh, – I got, you know, I got to travel uh, the country and we went up to Canada, went to Mexico, went to Ireland, and I got mm -hmm. to travel the United States uh, kickboxing on that international team, which was very cool. Um, mm -hmm. Even Sage Northcutt was on that team when he was younger. Um, and so I did that for about two years. Um, and then after that, I decided, okay, well, I want to open up my own martial arts studio. Mm -hmm. I opened that up for about four years. Um, and then I was like, well, I want to continue to do this but um, I'm doing jujitsu at the same time that I open up my martial arts studio. So I made like mm -hmm. this big change in my life. I was like, I'm going to be an instructor. And at the same time, I want to learn jujitsu. Okay. So 
I started Tim Jiu-Jitsu, opened up my, my school about four years in, my Jiu-Jitsu instructor was like, hey man, why don't we buy you out? So like whatever it is that you're doing is working because I was teaching a very specific way. I go to schools and teach on site. So I go mm-hmm. to like elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, and I teach right there. And I was making a crap ton of money. So my instructor was like, why don't you do that for us? And I was okay. like, okay, well pay me. And so he did, he bought me out. <laughs> And then, uh, so I just made jujitsu a full-time thing. So I became mm-hmm. a striking coach for that studio. Uh, I was teaching all the kids classes at the time. And then McDojo life randomly just blew up because I, I was doing McDojo life in there and then randomly it just blew up one day. And, uh, Joe Rogan started talking about it. And um, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of really influential people started following the page. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, I was making enough money doing McDojo life full-time that, it, and it was taking up so much of my time that I might as well just do that full time. So okay. I stopped being an instructor about two years ago. I stopped being an instructor and I just made McDojo life my full time job. And so ever mm-hmm. since then, this is all I do. Okay. Speaking of the page, this is something that uh, a personal question is like, how did it came about? Like, what was the, what was the light bulb moment for like, Oh yeah. Uh, the, okay. I'm training. There are a lot of like, mainstream fuckery happening here so what do i do do i sh- just share it do i create something out of it like how what what is the story behind dojo life well i um i i actually got brought in to assist a class one day so at the time i was only like a two-stripe blue belt or something like mm-hmm. that maybe even less i don't know um but my instructor was like hey i'm not feeling well today will you do me a favor and come in and teach the noon class just running through some basic drills and then spar I was like, all right, cool. So I come in and I teach the class. And then after class is over, we're all just standing around talking. And then we, the subject of McDojo's came up and we just talked about that for a bit. And then everybody left except for one guy. And so that one guy stayed behind and he was only there. It was only like his second jujitsu class ever, like second martial arts class ever. So he pulled me off to the side and he goes, Hey man, I, I heard you guys talking about a McDojo, but I didn't quite understand what is that? And mm-hmm. I was like, I explained to him what my version of a McDojo is, which has now become the basis for the five rules of the page. Mm-hmm. And um, he, uh, he was like, oh, well, how come no one does anything about that? And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really, I have no answer for you. I do not know. And so that night I went home and I just thought about it and thought about it. And I was like, I couldn't not think about it. And so the next day I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll try to start. And so I did. I started the Facebook page at the time, which is no longer there, um, unfortunately, because we, we had like 100,000 followers before mm-hmm. Facebook took it down. Okay. ridiculous. Why? A lot of people reported the content or Facebook just decided? No, okay, just one is- guy. Just one guy. One guy reported <laughs> a piece of content that he didn't like because he what? was in it. And um, yeah. And over the years, like that page. Come on. I'm like. Wherever I you are, page, fuck you. I want it. Yeah. I like, I love that page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's all right. Cause there's so many different social media platforms mm-hmm. and Facebook is like one of those things where it's slowly but surely being phased out. Mm-hmm. So like you see all these new platforms coming up. Yep. So just because I lost a hundred thousand followers there financially, it didn't feel good, but mm-hmm. what's going to happen is another and another and another. Oh yeah, for sure. Not me the, doing what I want there, to do. There, there's so. always going to be a new platform to, to provide content and to create an audience. Basically I get paid to call out people on their bullshit. I get paid to call people out for being frauds, fakes, phonies, and liars. And it just kind of has snowballed and developed into its own entity. 
And mm-hmm. like what really, what's really interesting to me is so many people follow the page, but mm-hmm. don't actually hit the follow button. Like that's okay. kind of fascinating to me because I'll get like all these people and I'll start noticing the same screen names over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And when I notice, I'll just send them a message. I'll be like, Hey man, I appreciate you like messaging, but like, maybe you should follow the page. Because you know? <laughs> I think people go to it now, like out of habit. So they won't yeah. even like, they'll just type it into their search bar and go search for it. Like okay. on YouTube, amazingly enough on YouTube, right? I can look at the analytics and see where my traffic comes from. Mm-hmm. And 75% of the traffic that I get is people who actually type in the words McDojo no life. life. <laughs> and like, you know, so that's crazy to me. It's like, yeah, that means that when people came to the page, they knew the name and they knew what they were looking for. It's like, dude, just hit the follow button. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's going to be part of your timeline. Come on, make life easier. Yeah, exactly. Like the initial thought of the page is just trying to expose Hey, for sure, it's just about creating awareness and, of course, being funny and providing entertainment. Uh, yeah, it actually didn't start off like it didn't start off as like a, a satire page because, mm-hmm. like, now it's kind of become like a satire page where you look at it, you laugh, maybe mm-hmm. I make a little joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started off as like these long essays. So what I do was I go on there about once a week, and I'd only post once a week. I'd spend the mm-hmm. entire week researching a specific school that I know was fraudulent. And I gathered all the evidence that I could. And then I'd write out like five or six different, five or six paragraphs worth Mm -hmm. of why these things were bad. And then I I post screenshots of all the evidence. And then like no one cared. No one gave a damn. And then one day I just was like, oh, well, I got something to do today. So I don't have enough time to post. So I just reshared some funny video. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was, but I reshared it and I move on with my day. And I remember coming back to the computer and I had like a hundred more followers than I did. I had like, uh, like way more comments, way more likes and way more shares on this one thing that I did than any of the other stuff that I had put so much time and effort into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why? And so I started playing with it. And over the years, it's kind of developed to what it is now. Like mm-hmm. really short, like I just say maybe one, uh, maybe one sentence, maybe mm-hmm. like a few words and that's it. And I realized what I was doing was I was, leaving out people's ability to make their own comments because mm-hmm. I was saying everything that needed to be said, they didn't need to feel the need to say anything. Mm. So they were just thumbs up. And yep, so that 100%. would be useless. So, but now I kind of leave it a lot more up to the individuals because I realize that it starts leading people down rabbit holes. So like, let's say hypothetically I post something, but I don't say what my opinion is about that thing. I just post it and I don't say a word. Mm-hmm. And then people go on there and they defend it. And so I go, oh, why are they defending this? So I click on their page and I start looking and I go, oh, it's because they're a part of this organization. Mm -hmm. They believe in this magical power. And so by me shutting up, it allowed me to see so much more of other people's opinions. And it allowed me to get a better viewpoint of, okay, well, this is one fraud, but you don't realize how much, how much influence that person has until Mm -hmm. you see their students. And mm-hmm. so like if you see one guy, for instance, if I just said that the word Dan Inosanto, because we talked mm-hmm. about him earlier, right? Yep. Dan Inosanto by himself, you'd be like, all right, cool. This guy knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. People who don't know that name would never know how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that guy impacted in the martial arts community. True. Right. And then all of a sudden you start looking at his students. You're like, wow, this dude's got this huge reach. Well, it's the same thing with like a fake master. Just mm-hmm. because we haven't heard of him doesn't mean that in his circle, he's not very popular 
with a lot of people perpetuating a lie. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the way I do things now is make a little joke, sit back and just start researching yeah. what's going on. <laughs> and then let the verbal jabbing happen in the comment section. Exactly. That's why for oh. me, every time I see a funny post, I'll, I'll automatically read majority of the comments because I know that's that's it's it comment in there, man. Yeah, comment it's section brutal. is always gold for me, bro. It's it, the narrative that that I'm hearing. It's like, so how did the page turn from something that would provide information and just create awareness about whatever bullshit is happening, and now I, I it's just how I see it. I mean, you could. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Like, how is it slowly turning into your advocacy? Because now that's the, that's well, what I'm. It seeing. always was, you mm -hmm. know. It always it always was a page meant to like kind of show people what there is out there in the martial arts community. One, every country has their own martial art, right? They all have their own standards, right? And you can pick the major ones, but even like for instance, in Indonesia, Salat has over 200 different versions of Salat. Yep. Yep. You know, That's karate true. has, I remember like a thousand different versions of karate, if not mm -hmm. more. And so they have all these different things. Well, it's hard as somebody who's new, who had never done martial arts before to look at each one of those things and have a vast understanding of what they really are. You kind of get a generalization based off of what you hear and what you see either through media, through sports or stories. Through friends, or people yep. you know. Yeah, exactly. So I still know people today who believe these amazing lies that are astronomically ridiculous, but they still believe them. But that's just because that's all they know. They only yep. know the lie. And so the goal is to help people understand, like, look, some of this behavior that you're accepting is not good behavior. They're just lying to you, making you feel like that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like, a, you know, I've seen uh, so many videos of, like these guys who were teaching full contact boxing in the concrete and then i'll see videos sent to me of guys dying because of that yep. getting hit getting knocked out head hits mm -hmm. the concrete and they die mm -hmm. so like when i talk to the instructor the instructor truly believes that that behavior is okay because oh man there ain't no mats in the street it's like dude of course there's no mats in the street because that's the street yeah but you're also you're preparing your students as realistically as possible to get them prepared for whatever scenario you want them to be prepared for, whether it be boxing, kickboxing, self-defense, whatever it may be, jujitsu. But at the same time, you're doing that as safely as possible as well. So doing something unsafe doesn't make them better fighters. It just leaves them more open to injury and or death. That, that's not helpful to them. I can't teach a dead student. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I can't teach a percent. So you want to keep your students safe. You want to keep your students healthy. You want to make sure that they continue, but you can't abuse them. And making them do stupid shit like fighting out on concrete, that's mm -hmm. abuse because they don't know any better. They're just following the leader blindly. Mm -hmm. Like me personally now, I have the ability where if I attend one of those classes, I can just be like, no, <laughs> like, cause I'm not, I don't have any stake in the game. I'm yep. not your student. I'm not like here to perpetuate whatever art you're doing. I'm just here to learn. But when I see something that's unsafe, I just say no. Like, no, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that shit. Like, you can be mad at me all you want, but I'll be alive and not injured. Yep, you know? that's true. <laughs> so, same thing with like people who spar like 100% all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so that's going to help you out maybe for a year or two. Like maybe mm -hmm. for a year or two, you're going to be just as badass until you catch that first ACL tear, mm -hmm. until you catch that first knockout. 
until you really get injured and you're out from training for six months because you broke something mm -hmm. like that doesn't help you in the long run or like any of us we're going to get old yep <laughs> we're that's all true going to get old mm -hmm. what i want to do is i want to age gracefully and still be able to train in my 60s and 70s at a nice steady pace because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I am under no delusion that in my 70s that I'm going to be some pie may badass mm -hmm. who is going to just grow into like the superhuman, supernatural master. That's not real. But people mm -hmm. in their head think that if they just train enough and train hard enough that that will happen. No, your body's like everybody else's body. It will get old. It will get frail and eventually walking and breathing will become much harder than they used to be. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get better because you train. Martial arts is not the cure-all. Yep. Martial arts is a sport. It's an activity. It's something that you learn in order to help protect yourself, get friends, get a mentor, lose weight. It does a lot for you. But one thing it doesn't do is reverse the aging process. Mm -hmm. As a matter That's of true. fact, if you abuse your body enough, it's going to push the aging process faster. So mm -hmm. you'll be more crippled sooner, you know? Mm -hmm. This go uh I had a guest on the podcast before. His name is uh Sixto Carlos. His uh his name is uh, his full name is Doctor Sixto Carlos. He's probably ah uh, for me he's probably the best weapons and weapons training and and hand to hand combat specialist probably in Southeast Asia or even in Asia. He he echoed the same sentiment that there's no point in being a gym champion. There's no point going or sparring a hundred percent if you're not gonna earn like. 5 million pesos. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not really worth it. So when you train, you have to put everything in context. You, you have to put safety as a priority. And, you know, you, you, have to, you have to put and compartmentalize, like, what is your mindset? And how do you approach training in general? Because if not, there are, you increase the chances of injury, if you get injured, exactly, you, you, you don't get to train, you won't be able to compete, and mm -hmm. you'll, you'll end up missing something that you love to do. So, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so nice to hear that a lot of that mentality is slowly proliferating now compared to, like, for example, in probably early 90s, everyone was, just wants to be a tough guy. Yeah. Everyone just thinks that the, the Spartan way of doing things is, is the way And you get that a lot with younger guys now, too. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of younger guys who are coming up through more, like, MMA camps and things mm -hmm. like that, all they want to do is fight. And they're not mm -hmm. interested in any of the other things that come along with the arts. Yep. And that's, that's up to them. That's fine. That's for them. But I think, in my mind anyway, that those people are missing such a beautiful thing to learn. Mm -hmm. when they eliminate everything else but just the violence. Yep. You know, the violence is a part of it, yeah, but it's controlled and it's understood and it's about growing and being better at other things in your life other than just kicking, punching, choking, and throwing people. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I think that when I see younger guys and the only mentality or the only thought they have is, will this work in a fight? Mm -hmm. That it kind of misses a little bit of the point. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, I, I'm real big about labeling. Mm -hmm. So I think in martial arts, correct labeling is huge for me. If mm -hmm. somebody does something like stunt work and they okay. want to do stunt work and they want to be an entertainer, they mm -hmm. don't want to be a fighter. So why do I care that their technique is not effective? Okay. That's not the point. They're just doing it because they're doing it for fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Why do I care that if somebody wants to do like a sport karate, for instance, that they're up there doing a kata, why do I care? 
-hmm. They're not trying to teach that to me and they're not teaching it as self-defense. Usually they're teaching it nine times out of 10 and NASCA, WACO, things like that. Yep. They're teaching that kind of thing or NASCA, NBL, sorry. They're teaching that kind of thing for entertainment. And those mm -hmm. people like Matt Emig, Caitlin DeShale, Taylor Lautner, they're now making a shit ton of money as a stunt performer. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. everybody else who was making fun of them doesn't even train martial arts anymore. Yep. You know, and so like the joke is kind of on you at that point. Like <laughs> if all you care about is like ego and who can beat up who, you're missing a lot of what should be going on in your martial arts training. It brings up another fast another facet of training, which is the purpose. Yeah. I mean, the, the purpose, it's either you want to entertain, you want you just want to get fit, or do you really want to know the art aspect of whatever it is that you're training? So, I mean, hearing this from you just that makes me appreciate a lot of the things that uh, I went through, uh, the evolution of martial arts here in the Philippines, uh, because that's a, I'm more or less that is the timeline. Um, early 90s, like 80s, 90s, everybody just wants to be the tough guy. They just want to have the reputation of being the baddest guy on the street or the baddest guy in this particular city. And that was the primary motivator why people studied martial arts. Uh, and as much as possible, you want to put structure into what you're, into what you're teaching. And at the same time, I really appreciate the fact that you want people to appreciate the art aspect of training because that's what we're doing. Specifically me, when I teach class, I make people understand that you are doing something that is special and there's an intrinsic value in it. So that is that that is the art part of learning combat. That's why it's called mm -hmm. martial arts. And I mean. I'm very happy that you resonate the same sentiment. Now, going back to how was your reaction to your first ever fake martial arts video? And what was, how, how was like, okay, how do I share this? And how do I make oh, this? Oh man, up? like I, that it wasn't like, I didn't really have a moment like that. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've been posting once every day now for like the last eight years. So mm -hmm. like thinking back all the way to my like first one isn't, I mean, there at that time, like I hadn't shared, there had been thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of videos that I already was aware of. Okay. So like I already knew that there would be longevity in the career just because there's so many frauds out there. So mm -hmm. I don't really have like an answer about my first one, but like the progression, what's more surprised me than anything else is that in the last, you know, eight, nine years of me doing this, I just never run out of content. Mm -hmm. I never and, do. Dude, 100%. I have no idea how do these people sustain these things. And like for every time I go to the page, I'm going, there's another one and there's another one. There's another. So apparently there are a lot of fake martial arts out there. So well, there's a big world, man. It's a big world. You got to figure anywhere you go, there's probably at least one con man anywhere at any given time. There's always mm -hmm. somebody looking to lie, cheat, steal their way to get mm -hmm. what they want. And there's a lot of those people. And Nowadays, I think that what people forget is that just like any other skill, like whether it be boxing or kickboxing or mm -hmm. Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu, those arts involve technique. And mm -hmm. those techniques, when put together in your own way, make your style. Well, mm -hmm. it's the same thing when you're dealing with a con man. Con, being a con man has been around ever since people were around. Okay. And so you got thousands and thousands of years of people learning how to con people. And so over the years, just like anything else, they learn technique, how to con people, how to manipulate people, how to brainwash people. So it doesn't surprise me too much that everywhere you go, you find these people who have more students sometimes 
than the people who are being honest. And it's because the people who are being honest haven't taken the time to learn any technique on how to sell anybody on anything. Mm-hmm. And so they might have the best martial arts studio in the world, but they only have five students. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that just means that you're going to close and no one will ever know that. It's yep. kind of like having the best pizza in the world, but you don't advertise it. I can yep. make the best pizza in the world in my kitchen, but if mm-hmm. I don't advertise it and let anybody know that that pizza exists, no one's going to come buy it because they don't even know it's for sale. They don't even know it exists. So it's the same thing with these con men. These con men have figured out how to sell their product. Okay. Even if the product is utter shit, <laughs> they still sell the product yep. and they sell it well. Meanwhile, the guys who are really good at martial arts have no clue how to sell anything. And so no one will ever even know they existed. So what you need in the martial arts community is a balance. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest stigmas that I hope that I can help with in my lifetime is that everybody has their own version of what they call a McDojo. And a lot of times what most people say is they think that anyone who is successful financially is a McDojo. Mm-hmm. Now, they might not say that exactly, but that's damn sure what they mean. Okay. Because people who send me stuff all the time are like, that guy charges way too much. Well, what's way too much? Maybe you charge too little. If people are willing to pay that, that's not too much. Mm-hmm. He's targeting his audience and he's being successful, which means he probably has better equipment because he can afford it. He probably has better staff because they're happy because they're getting paid well. And he probably shows up on time. He probably makes sure that 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 studio is spotless because he can afford the chemicals and the cleaning products to keep that studio clean. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we walk into your studio and you put everything on technique, not yourself, but the, you know, walk into their studio and their technique may be great. They may have the best technique, but no one will know because they'll walk in and the studio will be dirty. The equipment will be old. The people who work there will be fairly grumpy because they're not getting paid well and they're overworked. Mm -hmm. Right. And so no one's going to sign up for that. And so people, about falling onto like using the word McDojo Mm -hmm. as an excuse not to better themselves is a problem. It's like the biggest problem I really see in the martial arts. It's like Mm -hmm. rather than, because we would never do that as a fighter. Like as a fighter, if you're a good fighter, you never put the blame on the guy who beat you. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, oh, he's cheated. Oh, he's a piece. No, you you shouldn't do that anyway. And Mm -hmm. if you do, you need to reprioritize your training. you You should go, hey man, what did I do wrong? Let's look at the tape. Talk to my coach. All right, I made this mistake. I made this mistake. Come back. We fix it. We come back and we try it again. Mm-hmm. But like the martial arts community seems to have this stigma where if someone's more financially successful than them, they like to finger point and put blame and down mm-hmm. them. And that's that's ridiculous. That's, that's childish behavior. Mm-hmm. And then from the progression of, of the page and do you did you take any deep dive into any particular fake martial arts that you got yourself into? Yeah, man. Every time I I, I do a post or something like that, I try to find out as much information as I can. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 helped me learn a lot. I learned about Tanaga Dalam and what Tanaga Dalam is in the uh, in uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. I learned that every culture every culture has a version of chi. They yep. all call it something different, but it's every culture has it, uh, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. Um, I learned a lot about the Bujin Khan. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about George Dillman. I learned about a lot about Kyoshu Jitsu. I learned a lot about um, basically how cons work and how to do a con. I learned a lot about the business side, which I already knew a lot about the business side, but I learned even more by studying the con men because they were able to sell a product that was inferior, but they were mm-hmm. able to sell it on a mass scale. So I've learned so much just by studying these frauds 
that I feel very fortunate that I have because I think a lot of people sometimes let me let me put it this way sometimes we learn more about what not to do than we learn what to do okay you know so I learned a lot of what not to do based on watching frauds most okay. people will never learn those same things because they won't actually look into those frauds they'll look at it they'll laugh and they'll move on with their day but they won't actually study the thought process why how who when all these questions that should be asked most people don't they just kind of laugh at it and treat it like it's a joke when they don't mm. realize that most people are financially making a living off of it. oh yeah for sure like a lot of people will will put so much emphasis on the marketing and the the beautiful words like what whatever they put on copy so that commodity just like heightens up in value but the moment you start trying it out or the, the moment you start doing it you you feel that okay i'm like i'm being cut under i'm like being undercut here so like so this is not worth the money i paid and then you suddenly realize that then you start opening your eyes and the truth reveals itself so so basically the prevalence of fake martial arts is just really financially driven and not always not, not always. always okay not always like um it, th definitely there are some people who do use finances as a motive to perpetuate it right there mm -hmm. are definitely people who do that they don't care much about your training they don't care how good you get they don't care about the curriculum they just want to make sure that they brainwash you and teach you just enough to continue to get the money right mm -hmm. um I, I will say like you'll actually see that more like the money thing more in jujitsu than you will in most other arts and i know a lot of jiu-jitsu guys are going to hate me for saying that no I, I think i think everyone kind of has an idea of, like what happens when it comes to people especially the ones that get exposed online well and i mean think like it, it's easy for me to just push a belt down the road mm -hmm. and there's no standard right and yep. i like maybe i just don't like this person right they can be great i just don't like them then i won't give them their black belt and i'll just keep pushing it off pushing it off let them pay me like years and years and years and years and in uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu they have a, a phrase called creonch yeah creonte. yeah like the, the, the disloyal people exactly which is bullshit. it's a bullshit yep. word made up so that way they can keep people brainwashed mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot yep you are paying for a service mm -hmm. that service to learn martial arts the martial arts studio is the business mm -hmm. would i ever care what my plumber has to say if i go to another plumber would i ever care what my my barber has to say if i go get my haircut somewhere else mm -hmm. how about my mechanic would i ever care what my mechanic thinks if i go somewhere else to get my car fixed mm -hmm. but yet for some reason in the martial arts we think that it's okay to name call and bash people when the instructor does not provide the service that the student is looking for that's mm -hmm. that's the customer and so if the customer decides that he's going to go to another facility, if you're a real instructor, let's just be honest. And I'll say this mm -hmm. to fucking anybody's face. I don't give a shit mm -hmm. who you are. If you are a real instructor and you really care about the well-being of your student as an individual and as a person, mm -hmm. you should be happy, happy that they left you to go find something that they felt was going to be better for them. Mm -hmm. Because that means you really give a damn about your student. It's not about the money. It's not about your ego. If you really care about your student and that student decides that you are not the right fit for them, then you should wish them well and say, hey, that's cool. I get it. Hopefully you enjoy your time over there. Is there anything else I could do for you before you go? 
All right, cool. Nothing. All right. Well, if you ever need anything, you know where I am. I'm here for you always. That's a, that's an instructor who actually cares about a student. If you see some instructor just bashing somebody because they go to another studio, then that instructor is ego driven piece of garbage. I don't care what degree they have. I firmly believe that a lot of the things are the main reason why these things happen is because yes, number one, ego. Number two is insecurity. Like it's, it's a huge part of it is the insecurity of that coach that he thinks he or she may think that uh, people leave their gym for, for another one is because of like the inadequacies or, I mean, it's just mis a lot of it is miscommunication, but at the same time, it's the insecurity and the ego of the instructor. That's why th their feelings are hurt. So they go on social media or they start bashing, they're bad mouthing those, those students that they left for a term that is a, uh, if I remember correctly, that the Crionche uh, term was coined up by Dracolino from no. Crazy Baja. And he saw it from a, uh, what do you call this? A Spanish telenovela series. He was watching mm. television. Uh, the names, the, the guy's character is a Crionche or his name is mm. Crionche. Then he started using people. He has started using that name. Uh, I mean, he started using that term. And then it yeah. just got adapted everywhere. Then all of a sudden, it became part of the whole the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, I really respect Dracolino for his mm -hmm. instruction. But like, if I ever caught him using that word, I treat him just like everybody else. Yeah. It's <laughs> behavior. It's childish behavior to name call when somebody is, decides that you're not the right fit for them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like true. a it's kind of like a boyfriend in high school who's upset. <laughs> that is that not true? It's like a, a boyfriend in high school, his girlfriend leaves him, so he goes around the school making fun of her. Yep, like, that's true. Be an adult. Like, mm -hmm. be an adult. You decided that you want to move. Now, there is a difference between somebody who did something shady and dirty to you and somebody who just decided to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a traitor. That's a customer, and you didn't provide the service to them that they felt was right for them. Like, personally, if somebody comes to my house party, and we're all hanging out and somebody says, yo, man, I got to go. I got something to do. I go, mm -hmm. okay, cool. I'll see you later because I have all these people who are happy to be here. I'm going to focus my time and my effort on the people who are happy to be here. Personally, when that person leaves, I'm not going to think about them twice. I'm like, all right, cool. Have fun because I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. And as an instructor, if I have 30 people in my classroom and 29 of those people leave, I'm going to put all my effort into understanding yep. why that one person stayed learn what I did wrong to make all those 29 people leave and try to fix that. So that next group of 29 that comes in, I do a better job because that blame falls on me solely yep. on instructor. Definitely. And this is something that I hope uh, coaches or aspiring coaches could listen to. And like, this is something that will definitely, this is a lesson that you can carry for the rest of your life. You have to be accountable as a, it's not being a coach is not an easy job. It carries a lot of responsibility, but also um, you have to be accountable for your actions. You have to be accountable for uh, your weaknesses or your shortcomings, whether it be in your gym or to your students. And you have to understand that there are these are the things that you can work on. You know, it's not the end of the world. You, you can work on these things. And if, like, as a coach, if my fellow coaches or aspiring coaches can learn that, It'll make the dynamic of any gym a lot more bearable. I mean, at the end of the day, the gym is a business, but at the same time, it's it's supposed to be a community. And this whole thing, 
I'm still doing my best up until now. I've been studying martial arts since I was a kid. And seeing things like this, as a martial artist, it irritates me. And it pains me to see that a lot of people are being scammed or being conned by, by these individuals. So, so far, in, in your understanding and as much as you can share with me with, in this podcast, like what are the determinants or what is the main like motivation or, or what is the blueprint? What is like the, the structure behind con men and, and using martial arts as a means to scam people? Well, I mean, it, it, it all depends on the instructor. Like every situation that I've seen has been 100% unique. So I can't say that there's like, there's like a particular motive because each person is doing it for their own reasons. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple major ones. Money is one, obviously. There are people definitely out there who don't have any other prospects. They mm -hmm. don't have any other skills, but they know how to lie to people. Okay. And so what they'll, do is they'll take that skill and they'll go to the one thing that's so convoluted and hard to understand that they'll just try to open up a studio. Because mm -hmm. people who don't know about violence, people who don't know about martial arts and don't know about technique, it's very easy to scam them because mm -hmm. all you really have to do, and we're going to do this as an experiment, but all you really have to do is just regurgitate things that you've seen in movies. That's true. So many, just say whatever you heard in a movie and people will believe it because they heard it in a movie. So it's got to be true, right? Mm -hmm. Um regurgitate stuff that you saw online like just just lie it's not that hard to lie to people who don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. although it's the opposite if you know what you're doing so if you're into martial arts you could look at something and go no that's a lie i know that's a lie like i i can tell you for a fact all the reasons this won't work because i'm a professional instructor and i do this for a living mm -hmm. and this guy is a professional con man and he does that for a living but you can't con an expert you don't con an expert in something like if mm -hmm. I'm a mechanic and I'm a certified mechanic mm -hmm. and I see some guy working on my car randomly, right? And I okay. walk up and I say, what are you working on? And he starts lying to me. I will know he's lying immediately because that's the thing that I do well, Yep. you know? Mm -hmm. But if I was just some regular person and some shady mechanics working on my car and I know nothing about cars, well, I'm probably going to get caught because I mm -hmm. don't know any better. 100%. So okay. You know, so that's one is, you know, another is uh, power. So you see a lot of martial arts instructors will basically make their martial art or their studio a bubble and they don't mm. allow to leave the bubble. Yep. You have to stay in the bubble. You're not allowed to train anywhere else. You're not allowed to do any other training or studying with anyone else. If I catch you doing that, I'll kick you out of my studio. You mm. can only compete in tournaments that are in-house versus mm. your own. You never go outside of that bubble. That's because they're trying to maintain power and control. Mm -hmm. So if they, lose that like same thing with like crianch yeah like, good student or a uh, good instructor hey coach is it okay if i go train at so-and-so studio my friend is training over there for the night and he invited me to train mm -hmm. what a good instructor will usually do is go hey man not a problem do me a favor have a blast when you come back teach me some of the stuff you learned okay. boom right bad instructor no you can't go mm -hmm. it's that simple like he's a grown man <laughs> like I, dude i'm 35 years old <laughs> me what i can and cannot do outside of the studio that's my life i get to make that decision and so when i see people brainwash like that it's because the instructor wants the power he wants control um and then of course like the uh the last one is you know power and ego i guess kind of go together but uh -huh. i think some instructors continue to perpetuate bullshit just to fill their ego 
They're not really doing it because they want power over anyone, but they're doing it just to make themselves feel good. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this, like what I call Steven Seagal syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's, it's a real thing. Like I've, I've looked at it and that's the only thing I can really call it right now. Maybe I'll come up with a better name later yeah. on down the road. But like Steven Seagal for all intents and purposes seemed to start off as a legitimate martial arts instructor. Mm-hmm. Taught Aikido, happened to teach a, a film producer or director. I don't remember exactly which one it was. That guy was like, hey man, you'd be perfect for this role for this movie. And he was like, Fuck it. okay. I mean, that's the dream for all of us as instructors, I think. Yep. Somebody comes up and says, hey, you want to be, <laughs> be an action film star? <laughs> yeah. And so he got the opportunity and so he did it. Mm-hmm. But over the time, I think he already had a little bit of ego, but then he kept getting the success and he kept getting the fame and he kept getting all these yes men around him. Yep. And I don't think that he necessarily does it because of power, mm-hmm. because that doesn't make any sense. I think he, he spreads his bullshit and the way that he talks and the way he's arrogant and talks down to people. He does that specifically to boost his ego yep. and is allowed to be perpetuated by people around him who never called him out on it. Yep. You know, like there are all these stories of like how Steven Seagal was like being physical with actors or molesting women or like mm-hmm. hitting people randomly. That's ego. He never had that one guy in his life walk up to him because they were probably scared of him. Because Steven Seagal's mm-hmm. not a little dude, by the way. Yeah, he's a big, he's, he's, a big, big, he's a big dude, and now yeah, he's, he's even big bigger. <laughs> now he's even bigger. <laughs> but like, yeah, so he's, he's a pretty big dude. So like, I think people were just intimidated to ever call him out and say, "Yo, dude, you can't do that. Like, that's not right. That's not good behavior." And they just said, "Yeah, man, that's cool," and let him do it. Well, you see that a lot with martial arts instructors. A uh, perfect example is Hatsumi Sensei. Mm-hmm. So Hatsumi Sensei runs the Bujinkan, which is ninjutsu, mm. nenpo. Um, so he runs that, right? He's got purple hair and he's kind of like a weird old dude or yeah. whatever. But in my mind, I think he started off, because I don't know this dude when he was younger, but it seems to have all those Steven Seagal qualities. It seemed he started off with all the best of intentions, even though I'm pretty sure he built his entire organization on a lie. And mm-hmm. then he comes through and then magically he starts incorporating things that just don't make sense like Mm -hmm. sawing his face with a sword and he's not cut and everybody believes it. Like, no, that's not a magic. That's a magic trick. That's not real. Right. Like I'll get, I'll bring a sword to this dude and let him do it. I guarantee you slices his face up. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like he started doing these things like the Saki test, which is their fifth degree black belt test Mm -hmm. where you have to either kneel and like a Cezanne position, or you have to sit and like Indian style. Okay. Cross applesauce. If anybody thinks I'm racist. So like, that's what it was called when I was a kid. Damn it. So they take like a Shinai. Or okay. like, a, and they'll try to crack him on the head, and you have to sense when you're about to be hit. Wow! Right, and you're 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 relaxed, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to feel the energy of the moment, and when you mm-hmm. feel like you're gonna get hit, dodge out of the way. Mm-hmm. The funny part about that is one, you don't have Jedi voodoo powers, and so what happens is they usually the people that they want to fail the test, they just do what any of us would do. They crack them on the head. Like real fast. Mm -hmm. The people that they they want to have pass the test, they'll exaggerate the movement so you can feel it in the floor and the mat. You can Mm -hmm. hear it. You can look at the audience that's in front of you and see their eyes and movement, right? Mm -hmm. That's not magic. That's not a mystical power. That's just you looking around the damn room. That's not how it's presented. It's presented as some kind of supernatural power that you reach. And that's ridiculous, right? But they eat it up. They eat it up. They love it. And you can't tell anybody who's in the Bujinkan that that's not real. It's the mm-hmm. funniest thing to me. Like anytime somebody like hops on when I post something in the Bujinkan, like you just don't understand. 
Yeah. All right. Well, how about this? I've been doing this shit for a long time, right? And there are plenty of things I don't understand. So do me a favor, enlighten me. And they never give an answer. Never yeah, exa- an answer. I mean, no, exa- exactly to the point. Uh, on one side are your con men. And then, I mean, it, it takes two to tango. So if there's a con man, there has to be an audience. There has to be a flock of believers. So I mean, how, I mean, in your experience and in your interaction with these people, how, why are they there? Why, why, well, I, why are they still there? It's funny. You said, dude, there's a, there's a flock of believers. Um, actually, for the documentary we're going to be doing, there's this guy, just because you said that, there's this guy, his name is Lewis Martin. And okay. he wrote this book called, the book is called The True Believers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, the, the front cover says, a powerful and engaging testimony to the social mechanics of a martial arts cult. Mm-hmm. And so this is a guy who started off looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. He winds up going to like do a couple of trial classes. And the first studio that he goes to, he actually ends up signing up. Okay. And it winds up being a complete martial arts cult. And mm-hmm. so he winds up working his way all the way up to being the head instructor of that particular studio. And mm-hmm. like he works his way high up into the organization. And then years later, he realizes, oh, this is all a con. And he didn't mm-hmm. realize it for a couple of years. So I think that that's kind of fascinating just because you said believers, right? Yep. Like the people who are there, they don't start off like engaged the way that everybody else thinks that they're engaged. What we mm-hmm. see is we see them after they've already been brainwashed. We see them at the end of that cycle or in the middle mm-hmm. of that cycle where they really believe the things that have happened to them, but that's not how that works. So what happens is you get indoctrinated slowly over time. Mm. So, do you want to try an experiment real fast? Yeah, let's go. All right. So uh, you called my studio the other day and you're looking for martial arts classes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I say, Hey man, come on in. Let's try a class out. All right. Okay. So Let's say you walk into my studio. All right. We'll just start there. All right. Mm-hmm. So nobody's at the studio yet. It's just me and you, you walk in, you're there for classes. So, Hey man, how's it going? How are you today? I'm good. Awesome. So what brings you in? I'm very much interested in the class and what is the program. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, how long have you been thinking about doing something like this? Uh, right after graduating college. Oh, wow. So a couple of years, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. And where are you coming from? You coming from home or work? I'm coming from work. All right, cool. And so, you know, I'm assuming you're doing this for a reason, right? So what makes you want to learn the martial arts? Well, I was bullied when I was a kid and I just want to learn something that would help me defend myself. Okay, cool. And so I'm assuming that you have like the support of your family to do something like this. Yep. Of course. A hundred percent. Awesome. And will you do me a favor? So we have classes Monday through Saturday. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're every day between seven and 8 PM. Uh, if you enjoy class today, what days a week would you be able to come train? I could probably come every day. All right, cool. So, um, awesome. I just brainwashed you. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to hear why and how? Let's go. Let's go. Let's hear it. All right. So in order for me to get you signed up for my class, there are something called the five objections. All mm-hmm. right. So the five objections are all very simple. Instead of most people saying the word no, when it comes to signing up on a class, they mm-hmm. say one of these five things 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I have to talk to my spouse. I have to think mm. about it. Yep. It's far away. So you told me you were coming from work, right? Yep. So now you can no longer tell me it's too far away because that would yeah. be a lie. 
right? <laughs> That's you true. You told me that you've been thinking about this since college. Now you can no longer tell me you have to think about it because you've been thinking about it for years. Mm-hmm. I asked you if you had the support of your spouse. You said, yes, your family supports you, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked you, what days a week would you be able to train if you were able to make it? And mm-hmm. you said, a lot. So mm-hmm. you can no longer tell me you don't have the time. You can no longer tell me that it's too far away. You can't tell me you got to think about it. And you te- can't tell me that you have to ask permission. You mm-hmm. already told me all those things already. The only okay. thing that's left is I don't have the money, which yep. is the easiest thing in the world because all I have to do is make the price so much cheaper today than it would ever be in the future that if you were really serious about signing up, which you were, by the way, because you called us, not the other way around, yep. that I have the best deal today than I would any other day when you walk into the studio. So it doesn't, did you notice one thing I didn't talk about at all during any of that conversation? The price. I didn't, well, I, the price comes after the class, right? So yep. that, that's easy. So like, let's say my price is $100 a month. We'll just go with that, right? $100 mm-hmm. a month, that's never going to waver. But I'll let you know. We also have a $150 registration fee. And also mm-hmm. our uniform that you're going to have to get is going to be another $150. Bucks. Yep. But what? you already came in for today. I'm going to make this real easy for you. I'll give you a free uniform and I'll waive the registration fee. So mm-hmm. now instead of paying over $400, it's only going to cost you a month. It's only going to cost you $100. Yep. So and that's gonna... it's because it's going to be more expensive when you come back. Yep, so that's it true. It's going to be 100 So, and so, but the one thing I didn't talk about, which is what most people seem to forget in the martial arts, is not a one time during that conversation that I actually talk about martial arts. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Not a one. Didn't even talk about it. That's the start of how this works. Now, I can use that technique to get you signed up because it's good for you. You could have mm-hmm. told me a billion reasons why you signed up. You want to have friends. You need a mentor. You want to get in shape. You need self-defense, right? Your doctor ordered you to lose 75 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. All of those things fit in the answer. And I can provide you with those things for sure. But all I really need to do is I need to convince you that whatever reason you told yourself up to this point in your life, why you can't do any of this, it's my job as a coach to teach you how to do this. That is so true. So like if somebody walks on the mat, I'm not going to just let them do whatever the fuck they want to do. Mm-hmm. Somebody just decides they're going to punch mitts however they want. I'm not going to let them do that. I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to walk up and say, hey, man, that's not bad. <laughs> All right. But <laughs> on that. Let me show you some few things, okay? okay? And then that's the job of a coach. Your job is still a coach outside that mat. If they're mm-hmm. in your facility, you're still their coach. So when they walk in and they give you all those bullshit excuses, oh, man, you know, I, I don't know. W- what would you do if they were on your mat? Would you be mm-hmm. like, you know what? You're right. Do it how you want to do. You would never do that. So why would <laughs> you allow true. them to do that on signups? Why would you allow them to tr- act however they feel like inside your studio? You wouldn't. You're a coach as soon as they walk in that door. Mm-hmm. And so con men know this. They're in charge the entire time. Mm-hmm. Instructors who are not good at business don't know this. They exactly. They in charge on the mat. And so once they get on the mat, they become coach. And once they step off the mat, they don't care. That's a mm-hmm. problem. And that's why and how it's so easy to con people. Step one of me conning you is getting you signed up. Yep. Now, if I'm a good coach, I'm getting you signed up because I want to help you. But if I'm a con man, I'm getting you signed up because I need to keep brainwashing you. Mm-hmm. Now I have you signed up for a year contract. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. So now I have an entire year to slowly but surely indoctrinate your life into being this. Mm-hmm. Finding more ways of you being here more often. Finding more ways of you getting your family involved. Mm-hmm. Finding more ways of this being your life now. And then whenever it comes time five, six years from now, you decide that, all right, well, this has been my life for five or six years. You have to make a decision. 
Is this going to continue to be my life or do I, did I waste the last five or six years of my life? Mm -hmm. And so by the time I actually get to the no touch knockouts and the magical techniques, I've already brainwashed you into believing this is your friends. This is your community. Mm -hmm. This is your group. Are you willing to lose all of that? Are you willing to walk away from the last five years of your life? Or are you going to go along with it? Okay. So a lot of it now is turning into from, from signing up one student to like putting, putting them inside the bubble and then emotional blackmail and, keep <laughs> and keeping them there. So uh, a lot of people are entertained, but of course, uh, the realities of things is for sure uh, you have this sort, certain notoriety with this group, with these interest groups now. I, know, I, I don't want to call them martial artists. These are interest groups. These are scammers. Have you ever had any brush up with any of them? Yeah, of course. Like I get, um, I get death threats. I get sent messages all the time. I get like, I got a death threat when I was in London. So what was the, the, the tiniest one to the, to the, a really major encounter? Um, well, the tiniest one I get all the time, which is just an upset student. Like right now, if you just, got, like, I, I, I literally just got one. Hold on. Okay. Like, I just want to pop up. I can, I can just read it right now. This is my life. <laughs> Uh, oh my god this is like a normal occurrence already you know it happens all the time hold on okay yeah go for it man Uh, we got all the time in the world oh yeah dude it's hold on somebody said something so uh, indonesia especially it's so ingrained in their culture that Mm -hmm. they truly believe like fakes right Mm -hmm. so uh let's see here hold on All right, so here you go. Just a little thing, right? So I posted this video of this guy who's an Indonesian master, Mm -hmm. and he claims that he fought 200 men who had machetes and beat them. (laughs) Now, we know as people with common sense Mm -hmm. that you're not going to fight 200 people who have machetes and beat them. They're going to hack you to death and you will die. That's how that shit works, right? And so, but... Over in Indonesia, they have such a hold on the culture yeah. that like people who are of, um, how would I put it? People who are of influence kind of get put on a much higher pedestal than that over is, here in the United yep. States. Because over here in the United States, we have so many people of influence, it's kind of like a dime a dozen. Like it's just an actor, it's just a musician. Yep. Over there, they're more than that. They're elevated. They're to cultural figures yeah, based, so, on, based on ethnicity, based on which region or so, province. So I posted this thing about him doing that. And somebody said, how do you know he's full of crap? What are your sources? Like, I have to have sources to know that this guy's lying his ass off about fighting 200 people with machetes. It's called common sense. It's called <laughs> exactly. common sense. Or um, reality. Like people, oh, man. People got, like, so upset. They were like, um, oh, here you go. If, if you feel it's not real, why don't you come and try it yourself and fight here? It's like, I know it's not real. So the funny part about that is that's always like a go-to. Mm-hmm. If I had to fight to prove every point that I ever wanted to prove, mm-hmm. right, I would just be dead because I'd have to fight all the damn time. And you have because, to travel the world to prove yeah, yourself. Like, well, and does me getting beat up prove that he didn't fight 200 people? No, no. They, they're not relevant. They're not relative to each other. Does me beating him up mean that he didn't fight 200 people? No, no, because they have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. So no matter how that fight ends up, it doesn't actually prove that he beat 200 people who were carrying machetes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just something that baffles me all the time. And, and 
I for sure it's all about the the indoctrination, the culture, and then I just it, it just reinforces the fact that in 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 a world that's filled with people, I don't know majority majority of them just probably wants to belong to a certain group. They just want to be associated with a particular community. That even though it's like drinking the Kool Aid, they they know it's bullshit. They know it's wrong. They know it's not gonna happen, but I, I don't know. They just kind of accepted it because they grew up in that uh, particular cult. So I, I just feel for the students. I just feel that they were shortchanged for for several years, and they'll end up, you know, go. They'll they'll end up going home and then realize that okay, I, I learned nothing. I I spent a lot of money over a ton of bullshit over something that's not that's not going to help me. You know, yeah. it's, I, I, I just feel for the students. Whenever I watch something like this, I just feel for the students. And then, so, so that's the tiniest of things. It's in the comment section. So yeah, what is little, little nugget. Okay. Well, so what's one of the more major ones? Well, I've told the story before, but it's like pretty ridiculous. So I was in London and I got mm -hmm. hired to do a nunchuck seminar. So okay. they flew me out to London. I was there for about two weeks. And while I was there, they had like a Taekwondo tournament and the studio that I had taught the seminar at said, hey, why don't you come with us to the tournament and, you know, just be there to support the team. I was like, sure, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> so okay. I go, I'm in the bleachers and I wind up randomly getting a, a, a direct message on my Instagram. And mm -hmm. it was from a profile that had no profile picture. It had no posts. It had nobody following and they were following no one. It was just a okay. blank profile. Okay. And so they message and the only thing on the message was what i was wearing that was it and i was okay. like that's weird so obviously whoever is here is in the venue yeah yeah they know what i'm wearing so i was like it which does happen quite a bit it is a little creepy like sometimes people will like post a story like they saw me somewhere mm -hmm. but they won't come up and talk to me they'll, okay. like, and then they'll post <laughs> it I'm like that's weird so okay. like Anybody, like, you can just come talk to me, dude. Like, I answer every direct message. I talk to anybody. So mm -hmm. that's just creepy. That's and so true. And then after I got sent that, I wrote him back. I was like, hey, man, you can just come up and talk to me. Like, mm -hmm. come over. And then after that, he proceeds to write a long diatribe about something that I had done years ago. So years ago, there was a guy in the United States who got busted as a child mm -hmm. molester. Okay. And so I, I called him out on that. Mm -hmm. Now, there are rules and laws and regulations and things like that with child molestation, mm -hmm. but he kind of like, I guess you could say the, the deal that he took basically put him in a position to where he could still operate a school. And mm -hmm. so, but I, so I called him out. Well, after he got called out, he actually left the country. He went over to London. I didn't know any of this. Okay. Um, apparently he closed the school. He left the country. And when he went over to London, he went out by a different name. And so mm -hmm. he started a, another martial arts studio, mm -hmm. which was being quite successful. It was doing really well. Well, this dude molested a kid. So I called him out when, after somebody sent me the information, they're like, Hey guy, isn't this, this guy you called out like not so long ago? Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's the exact same dude. And so after doing research, I called him out. Well, that studio got closed down too, because he had like okay. open reviews. And so everybody who knew from the page went over there and gave him all these one-star reviews and started talking about mm -hmm. how he was a pedophile. Okay. Studio closed. Well, this guy who would text me was one of that guy's students. Oh shit! Okay. And he was upset because he thought that I lied about it. 
he was like, oh man, that guy would never do that. And so he told me, which it's a little weird to get a, like a, a threat like this in London because mm -hmm. like their gun laws are so strict, but you never know what threat's going to be real. But he told me as soon as I leave this, that martial arts tournament that he was going to shoot me. Okay. And so like, that was like, a, that's a pretty big deal. It's like mm -hmm. when somebody says that they're going to shoot you, like I'm going to take that serious. So I talked to the police and I let them know and they were like, yeah, it's probably just a prank, but we'll, okay. you know, so just to be safe. But it's definitely like one of those things where I started changing a lot about how I operate now. Mm -hmm. So like anywhere I go, like if it's legal, I always have a firearm. I always have body armor in my backpack. Mm -hmm. So like I never, I don't play around anymore when it comes to that stuff. All right. What about that? Has anybody ever confronted you? Like, like he showed his face and I mean, he said, Hey, yeah, I, mean, I saw I'm you post something about me. most of the time when they're upset with me though, we're like in a public place and like mm -hmm. they would just talk. I'm like, hey, dude, you're upset. Let's sit down. Like, I have no problem talking out anything. And I'll mm -hmm. let people know my opinions. I don't back down of how I feel, whether we're in face-to-face -face or whether we're online. I don't change my opinion unless you give me a reason to change my opinion. Threatening me, trying to hurt me, trying to beat me up, even if you kick my ass, isn't going to stop me from saying the truth. Mm -hmm. Like, you could beat the hell out of me. Okay, you're still a pedophile. <laughs> like, that's not going to change that, you know? Yep, and so That's true confrontations but nothing that ever equal blows or anything like that i'm actually pretty good at talking when it comes to that stuff so things don't really escalate too much and, and then wait and through the course of these conversations were you able to shed light or to like sometimes like, i think most of the time they just don't like me and so like they don't like that i call out this person almost never the instructor it's almost always a student almost mm -hmm. always um and so most of the time they just get this like one version of who they think I am, okay. but they've never attempted to talk to me before. They've never attempted to write me. All they know is that I called out their instructor for something. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's like, look, if I post a clip, a 30 second clip of that instructor doing 30 seconds of stupid shit, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they're a bad person. That doesn't mean they're a bad instructor. It just means that that 30 seconds is horseshit. The rest mm -hmm, could be gold. They could, they could cure cancer. I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. They could be out there saving orphan children. I don't mm -hmm. know. But like, um, you know, Anderson Silva is probably the best example. So Anderson Silva is like one of the greatest pound per pound, per pound MMA fighters ever, mm -hmm. right? Just a legend. The man, the way he moves, all his techniques, just incredible, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he taught a ridiculous bullshit knife self-defense thing. Yeah. Does that <laughs> Silva? is some punk no anderson silva's still a badass but that knife defense technique is bullshit right yeah. it's very it's it's not like i'm attacking the person i'm looking at the technique and what's being taught <laughs> i'm telling you right now there is no one knife defense or knife disarm that works ever okay yeah, nothing and i've done a ton of stuff man i've done like Huba drills. I've done like chisau. I've done oh, like, my God. You know, I've done like all the, all the different stick, the uh, silawani and stuff like that. Like all the different the, the stick and knife stuff. I've done those things before, right? Mm -hmm. But like at the end of the day, all the stuff that I truly respected was the most simple stuff. Like yep. uh, and they call it like defanging the snake. That mm -hmm. concept alone is a beautiful concept. Someone has a stick or a knife. Attack the hand. And if I do that, I'm more than likely to hopefully injure that hand. So it's harder for them to use or harder for them to keep hold of the weapon. That's like, true. You know, keeping distance, being active, moving around. Like a knife or a stick is such an active thing that you can't really stand still 
and just hope that those drills of standing still are going to work. You have to move. <laughs> you have That's to move true. your ass a lot because like a knife doesn't care who you are. Like a gun is very specific. I pull out a gun, it, the bullet's going to go forward and straight no matter what. A knife, it's very hard for me to accidentally shoot myself. Mm -hmm. I have to be almost trying, right? I have to be yep. a dumbass gun <laughs> and safety. Or I have to like, the gun has to be being handled by the other person as well. With a knife, you can cut yourself easily. All it takes is a touch and you're 100%. Cut. Yep. So it's just funny. Like, it's funny. Like when you look at certain things, especially like knife self-defense and you get these guys and they come off so confident mm -hmm. and, and, but then they start teaching utter, complete, ridiculous bullshit. And you're like, well, can you try that? Cause what's going to happen is most likely, what is it? Uh, Usually in like Kali, Estrema, stuff like that, you have mm -hmm. basic angles of attack. Yep. Like usually one through five, I've seen one through nine, right? But usually one and two is your most common. Exactly. I'm going to slash you <laughs> or I'm going to stab you, right? And like you have to deal with those things more than likely. Now you might mm -hmm. deal with like a three or a four, depending on whatever's going on. Or you rarely get a five. Like it's rare for somebody to just fence at you. Yeah, and no, no, that's but not like going to happen. You're one and two all day. Yep. One and two. It might just be one. And it might just be two, or it might be one and two, but that's most likely what you're going to deal with. And when you see people like, okay, well, I'm going to block. All right, cool. Now they cut you. That's how a knife works. They're not yep. going to stop. They're going to slash and they're going to keep going. Or they're yep, going to stab and pull the knife away. It's like those kind of things might give you a temporary hiatus or they're like, they'll expose the bottom of their wrist. Yeah. Right? Thank you You've got yourself too. <laughs> There's going to be blood gushing down your forearms afterwards. <laughs> Now you're filleted open. Congratulations. <laughs> and then, uh, or what I posted the other day on YouTube is two guys sitting in a chair and they're going from high cover to inside parry, just mm -hmm. flashing knives at each other. Yep. It's like, when the fuck would, when would you ever do that? Like, Never. What, what scenario would I be sitting in a chair and you're sitting almost between my legs and another chair? First of all, that's never going to happen with me. And then you pull out a knife and rather than me getting up, getting out of the way, maybe even using the chair that I have as a, mm -hmm. as a way to create distance. Mm -hmm. I pull out my knife and we just sit here and we have a knife fight next to each other. Exactly. Like, that's dumb. I mean, the, there are so many out there uh, from Sistema down to uh, a lot of super ridiculous, but, but they're really funny. Okay? Like people will use chairs, people will use fans, people will use books and Every time I watch it and we assess it and I, we just have tons of laughs with it. But at the end of the day, I keep asking myself, I go like, do people really buy into this bullshit? Is it, do they actually think that this will work? And I mean, it, 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 that's why I'm really, really happy that, that Dojo Life like blew up the way it did. And I, I'm very proud that I am a fan of the page. I was one of the earlier, uh, I mean, me and my teammates were one of the earlier guys who, who followed that page and we're very happy with the growth that, that it's really enjoying right now. And with, I mean, speaking of the documentary, I've heard of like earlier release of the plans to make a documentary. How is it now? Like how did it start and what's the story behind it? Well, it's, it's kind of like a natural progression, you mm -hmm. know? So like the brand is growing and as the brand grows, I just basically, whenever like, the only reason the brand grows, by the way, is because the followers tell me to. <laughs> so like, that's my business model. I just mm -hmm. do what I'm doing every day until I hear enough suggestions to go another direction. That's okay. it. It works. Like, 
I never made apparel, never made apparel. And then all of a sudden somebody was like, Hey dude, I'd buy a t-shirt. Like, all right. <laughs> well, I guess shirt. I should work on that. Let's and so I started doing that. And then, so I, I started using my apparel as a platform to showcase different martial artists art. Mm -hmm. So like there's all these great martial artists who are a fantastic actual artists. Yep. And so I was like, well, why not let them design my clothes? Mm -hmm. Like give them a platform, shout them out to like over a half a million people and say, Hey, this guy's art is this. And so they get free advertisement. And I know that that works because I know a lot of guys get a lot of work that way. Mm -hmm. And then I get a t-shirt I can sell works for me right and so mm -hmm. that's how that has evolved and now it's to the point where i need actually somebody to run the damn thing <laughs> so, <laughs> you know because it's, it's grown it's gotten big and so like the same thing when it comes to like um our youtube channel so like people kept asking me for content like original content mm -hmm. most of the time people were giving me a hard time because i didn't have original content so i was like all right well i know what i'm talking about let's do original content so now i have original content monday through friday that wasn't because nice. I wanted it. It was okay. because people asked for it. So like on our YouTube channel, I got content pumped out every day, Monday through Friday. Somebody was like, Hey man, you should interview some of these famous people that you have following the page. I was like, okay. So I started a podcast and so now that's we have a so, podcast. Okay. And that's so, so cool. And, but the biggest thing that people have always asked me, and this has been since like day one is you, they will always say it like this too. This is a great idea. I wish somebody would go to these dojos and call them out in person and film it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, there's a lot of legality behind that. Mm -hmm. It's not as clean cut as people want it to be. It's not as easy as go into their studio and film. Mm -hmm. Over here in the United States, especially if I do that, I put myself up to a lot of legality problems. That's I can true. get sued for assault, battery, slander, liable, not having permission to film them right? Not having permission to record their audio, mm -hmm. not having permission to do a lot of things. But if I walk into their studio, they can just say no, it would be that easy. And then I could drive or fly all around the country and hear no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. And then have nothing and be broke and still have a possibility of getting sued. And none of the people who follow my page are willing to pay my bills. I promise mm -hmm. you that. And so they want all of these things, but they're not willing to understand the risk. So I was like, all right, I can do this, but I need to take the time to figure out how I can legally do this. Okay. And so I, I spent like what, four years trying to figure out how to legally call people out for bullshit. And okay. it all boils down to one thing. If it's my opinion, I just have to state it as such. Okay. If it's a fact, I state it as a fact. What I cannot do is state something as a fact that is not factual. Or that's yep. And so after I after I really kind of figured out like the basis of doing that, I use YouTube as the start. And so which I had a lot of hiccups, by the way, I almost got my YouTube channel taken down because okay. I wasn't doing legally. I was doing things and messing up. And I was like, all right, well, how do I do this? And so now, like clockwork, every Monday, I pump out a new McDojo breakdown. So mm -hmm. I can actually call people out now without worrying about it getting taken down. Okay. So, Half the battle, by the way, is a disclaimer. So if you're on YouTube and you put out stuff, make sure you add a disclaimer because if you don't, they'll okay. probably take it down. Okay. Um, but, so, um, so once I started figuring that out, I was like, all right, well, we've gotten this far. Now it's time to move forward. Let's, let's go ahead and start working on how and why I want to do this. Well, I'm not just going to go to somebody's studio and call them out. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into somebody's studio and just fight them. Because again, like what we just talked about earlier, I don't think that that solves the problem. 
Yep. So what I did was I kind of took the model of something here in the United States called the truth campaign. Mm -hmm. So here in the States, the truth campaign was an anti-smoking campaign. And all they did was just push commercials out with facts. That was mm -hmm. it. They would just, here's a commercial, here's facts. And that would be it. Okay. And so smoking here in the United States has taken a nosedive. Like mm -hmm. there are people who smoke, but not nearly as much as they used to. And that was partially because the truth campaign kept putting out all this information about how bad smoking is for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I was like, why don't I do that rather than because they didn't walk up to the president of Marlboro company and punch mm -hmm. him in the face. Yeah. Like that solved anything. What they did was they shared facts and information and let people make their own decisions. I was like, that's smart. So now that we're, we go, go forward, I was like, let's do a documentary. And the idea here will be instead of attacking people like individuals, instead of going after individual schools. Let's talk about the broad problems that there are. Let's talk about how there are over 450 cases of pedophilia in the martial arts in the United States mm -hmm. alone from 1987 to 2018. Let's talk about that as a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about cult behavior. Let's talk about how easy it is to manipulate people. And let's talk to people who were victims. And let's talk to people who were actual con men who ran mm -hmm. the con. Let's make an experiment in which we con people on purpose to see how easy it is to do. Right. And so now we have like a general outline in which we can do it. We don't alienate anybody's art. We don't alienate any individual people. And then we can talk to people who are currently running cons and uh -huh. they can take the opportunity to prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Tell me how you're not a con man. Show me. I'll put it out there just how it gets how it gets put. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and manipulate it for my personal gain. Tell me, like, there's one martial arts studio that says they can cure blindness. <laughs> like, you blindness? yeah, laugh, right? They're doing blindness as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, like, but that's that's the fun part about doing this experiment is okay. I can go call people out without getting sued. I can make it an experiment, and I can be open and honest from a middle ground perspective. I'm coming into this saying I don't know. I have my own beliefs, but I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you think that you can move somebody with your mind. All right, cool. I'm all for it. Prove it to me. Mm -hmm. Don't do it to him. Do it to me. You mm -hmm. think you can knock somebody out by chopping them in the bicep. Okay. Yep. I'll sign the waiver. Do it to me. Chop is chop away. Now I can tell you I've been around and I've been in a lot of fights. <laughs> right? I've done a lot of tournaments. I've done a lot of boxing. I learned a lot of kickboxing. I did a lot of sport karate. I've been beat up a lot. One mm -hmm. thing that I've never had happen to me is I've never been knocked out. So if you can knock me out by chopping me in the bicep, you're going to do something that nobody else has been able to do. Oh, yeah. Hand, you know? This is all those pressure point attacks. I yeah, mean, do it. <laughs> and so that's the fun part of the experiment. It mm -hmm. isn't to make fun of them. And it has nothing to do with them. It has okay. everything to do with new students who are about to sign up for a martial arts class, what they're about to get themselves into, and understanding what they're about to sign up for. Rather mm -hmm. than just saying, I'm going to make fun of you, that doesn't help anything. I want to have evidence and proof and stats and statistics and say, look, this is evidence that this doesn't work. This isn't me making it up. This isn't my opinion. This is a fact that what these people are teaching you is a lie. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what's missing because up to this point, no one has ever done a documentary, a real full length documentary on frauds in the martial arts. It's never been done. Yep. A hundred percent. And this is probably, probably the first one. There are exposés. There have been 
probably bite-sized or small features, but there's the full documentary, no. YouTube, but there's never been something made of original content. Yeah, no, no. I, I haven't uh, I haven't encountered one. Not really, not really. So is it, is it, are you in the middle of production? Are you, no, well, uh, do you have a partner? Film in April. So April was our original film date. And then COVID hit and all the gyms in California got shut down. Yep. And so we were like, well, we can't film a documentary about martial arts schools without, without martial, martial arts. arts. <laughs> and so we were like, all right, well, we'll have to wait. And so we reset our, our film date for August. So we were supposed to film the second week in August. Unfortunately, now we went to a second round of lockdowns in California. Like they just like announced it last week. So I was supposed to take a road trip starting yesterday and drive across the country making content all the way until I got to Fresno. And then we would film for like a month straight and then edit for another month. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, COVID happened again. Uh -huh. So now we're on lockdown again. So now I have to wait again. And so it's been the most frustrating thing in the world. So it's like you already have like partner gyms or do you already, you already have yeah, we are, key we have, destinations we, that, that yeah we storyboarded everything already everything okay. is ready the only thing that's not ready is the law <laughs> like, <laughs> everything is getting shut down so like okay we, would, we only in all honesty for this documentary the way that we have it structured we only need like 15 days worth of filming mm -hmm. so we're just gonna film straight that's all we really need that okay. gives us all the we want that gives us all the uh the information we need that gives us all the experiments we want to do like that we'll just bang it out and then we can take that and structure it to make a cohesive story in post editing and give you guys a good solid hour and a half real documentary about fake martial arts that's amazing oh my god i mean there are so many things there's so many good plans pre covid <laughs> it's like it, it just really covid just really messed everything up so so everything's so everything's rescheduled and so how like with all the lockdowns or the shutdowns happening over there like how is the how is the martial arts community like how are the mma gyms how are the jiu -jitsu it depends gyms? on where you are so like here in the united states uh the federal government has basically left it up to the individual states mm -hmm. um to regulate themselves so okay. the, you know, so like the our, our main political body, like our president, was pretty much just like, hey, guys, we're going to treat this by a state-by-state -state basis. You guys handle it on your own. Mm -hmm. And so now each state has a different rule, a different regulation. Like, and, and they're night and day, depending on where you are. So like in Georgia, like the state of Georgia, the, the governor there, basically, he, he said it's illegal to require anyone to wear a mask. Okay. Well, meanwhile, in California you have to wear a mask. So if you go outside, you have to wear a mask. You don't have a choice. So that's like night and day difference. So it makes it very difficult to plan a production when, especially when most of our production, 90% of what we're filming is all in California mm -hmm. and not just California, like Southern California, where most of these regulations are hit hard. Like okay. I can't film a guy with a wireless mic and a mask. Yeah. It's going like to yeah, it's gonna sound terrible. <laughs> Not unless you put your lapel underneath the mask and yeah, bend it. Like, <laughs> well, like, you know, we can't like here in the here in Jacksonville, we have to wear a mask when we train because if you're indoors, you have to wear a mask. Like, okay. do you know how ridiculous it is to wear a mask while you roll? Yeah, super. Like, 
it's like waterboarding yourself. Like the mask starts to get wet and you're trying to breathe through this wet mask and you're moving around and trying, like it's, it sucks. It's terrible. I did it once and I was like, mm-hmm. nope, I'm nope. done. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll just wait for the COVID to be over, man. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm waiting till that regulation is gone because it's so dumb. I can sweat on you. I can bleed on you, but I can't breathe yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That That's super weird. That part is like, I, and I think, especially when it comes to jujitsu, it's it's the most hit industry when it comes to COVID because there's no social distancing there. <laughs> there's just, you, have to, you have to put your hands on another human being. Yeah. Like, so, uh, I feel bad, dude. I feel bad for so many. Instru- As a matter of fact, I was giving, I told people, um, it was like when it first hit, I was like, anybody who needs like martial arts business advice on how to get you through this, just let me know. And I've been doing free hour long consulting sessions. Just like, yo, let's sit down. Let's figure out how to get you through this. And okay. like, I was, I was, I was booked, man. I was doing like four a day for like a month. And every wow. day I just, I didn't do it for any money. I did it completely free. Like I want those studios to be successful. If the martial arts industry collapses, this doesn't exist anymore. There's no need for me to exist. So I need martial arts studios to exist. <laughs> I need them to do well. I need real martial arts studios to financially be successful and prosper or this is a dying industry. Mm-hmm. That is true. And then, so as the page keeps pumping out content, like, but by the way, when it comes to you posting on social media, do you, do you vet it or do you, do you do your own research or just people submit videos to you? They go like, no, man, I get both. Like I, I have like tons of content that I have saved. Like mm-hmm. some of it, I, I like kind of like hold on to because I don't know whether or not I need to post it now or mm-hmm. what kind of issues Instagram might have because every place has their own regulations. But like I have tons of content that I just don't put out yet just because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know if it's appropriate to put out basically mm-hmm. like getting abused, uh, kid people dying, like really, really messed up stuff I get sent every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime I get sent something, First thing I do is I use my own best judgment. I look mm-hmm. at it and I go, okay, well, what could this be for? Is it a drill? Is What's the purpose of what's going on? And if I can't answer that question, then I try to research who these people are, what art they're teaching, how much of this garbage are they teaching? And then if it's just like a one-off, unless it's really weird, then mm-hmm. I just won't post. I'm like, hey, thanks okay. for sending. If it's something that I'm like, oh, these people are doing nothing but teaching this garbage, let me go ahead and put a stop to that right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'll vote. Um, so, uh, but I have tons of stuff saved, but I get like 250 messages a day, roughly on Instagram <laughs> alone. And so I try to answer all of them. Like if you saw my phone right now, like my phone is just like ridiculous with like, <laughs> um, like just random stuff that I get. At it's- least now people know that you, you answer, you answer Instagram messages. You're the one who's answering. You don't, you don't have anybody who answers it for you. It's mine. It's something I make sure that I, I personally take care of. You know, like it based it, it acts as my own personal page as well. Like this is just like the, I, I pretty much just exist through that medium. Like that is what I do. And so I want to make sure that I gave myself two rules for myself when I started this. One was I said that I was going to go on absolutely anybody's show who showed interest. Anybody. Like I've been on people's shows who they had, I was their first guest ever. Wow. Like they, were like, they, nice. they had like one follower on their YouTube and I was like, yeah, I'll do your show. I don't care. Like I'm not that important. So I'm happy to help if it helps. And then the other th- rule that I gave myself was I'm going to make sure I answer every direct message I ever get. 
even if it takes me forever to do, I will answer all of them. And like, I can tell you, if I miss like a week and I don't go through there and answer messages for like a week, it's, it's damn near impossible for me to catch up. So I try to stay on top of it. Wow. Okay, Rob, let's wrap this up. Uh, McDojo Life on Instagram and on YouTube. We will definitely wait for the documentary. Uh, any parting words there, my friend? Yeah, man, you can catch me on pretty much any social media platform at McDojo Life. On Reddit, it's the McDojo Life because somebody opened up McDojo Life without my permission. <laughs> they, don't they, don't answer, they don't answer their direct messages. So it's just <laughs> sitting there. But um, also, if you want to keep up with the documentary, we have a page that's a perk just for people who have helped donate. So they get all the up-to-date information. It's McDojo Life, D-O-C, on Instagram. If you just go there, all the up-to-date information is all right there. Once we start filming, um, I'm making original content just for that page, stuff that's not going to be seen anywhere else. And once we film, it will be posting several times every day that we film. Even when we're editing, we'll make sure we put content out there just so everybody who has donated, they get up-to-date information. If you have not donated, guess what? Tough cookies. I'm not answering your message about the documentary because people paid for that. It's mm -hmm. not fair to them. So. Okay. I will link everything on the description box so that if you guys, so when you guys uh, want to visit or donate or see developments for the documentaries, uh, bro, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. You're doing a good service for the martial arts industry and the thank martial you. arts community. And with that, that's what Coach Franco says. Bye-bye. Thank and you, sir. Coach Franco says, would like to thank the following sponsors for making this episode possible. Be in the moment. Have the faceless emotion. Beware the robot face. I am not some crosses. Get yours on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Gatorade. Because nothing beats Gatorade. Community and culture. Simply good vibes in the local jiu-jitsu scene. Visit Ikero Collective at ikero.ph. Simply, better dentistry. Designer mouthguards and the best dental service in the heart of Makati. Visit the Santos Dental Group and Oral Surgery Center. Book an appointment on their Facebook page. Beat bacteria and viruses. Get Nano Silver Immune Support Supplement. Order your bottles on their Facebook and Instagram pages. For local martial arts news in the Philippines, visit Local MMA on Facebook and listen to one of my favorite podcasts, Destroy MNL. My life is about providing value and helping others achieve their goals. Please, help me make more podcast episodes, video tutorials, and educational content that will benefit everybody. Support this channel by clicking the link in the description box. Thank you for your support. Now we'll keep making content that matters. That's it, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.